Hi everybody, welcome to another EduThink podcast. Today I have a very special guest in the studio with me. It's the founder of Hello Panda, Jenny Liao. And we're going to have a conversation about her mission to bring Mandarin into schools and to make it available in South Africa to people, not just school students, but to everybody who would like to study it. Welcome to the studio, Jenny. Thank you, Gershen. It's great to be here. Jenny, tell me how this passion for Mandarin started and where your journey with Mandarin started. Right. I come to South Africa in 1992 and I have been volunteer to um, teach at the Chinese schools. So it's always been a passion of mine to teach. Over the year, I got um, more and more requests from local children's parents to teach their little one this beautiful language. So I went to do a teaching course at the University of Beijing um, Culture and Language University. So it's just erode from there. So I should be starting the podcast by saying Ni hao ma. <laughs> so that's a little bit of Mandarin and I probably butchered the pronunciation of it. But I think that it's one of the the fastest growing languages in the world and one of the most widely spoken languages. I just want to rewind a little bit and talk a little bit about how you got involved with EduInc. Um, it started last term. Um, if you wouldn't mind just talking a little bit about the global languages program that you offered at the school and the success of it from an outsider. We know from the inside that it was very successful from, you know, feedback from our students and um, our parents. But how did you experience it from the outside and what kind of value did you, did you see in that space? So for me, AG Inc. come across as being a very new age school, very um, tech driven and always open to big and new ideas. So for us to try to roll out um, language in an educational um, a facility, we thought about AG Inc. That is actually the first school that come to mind. It's very small and the principal and the vice principals are always um have their hands on deck and it's very IT driven. So regardless of on-site teaching or online teaching, we know it's not going to be disrupted. So we had a meeting um, with Gershon and then the things just start from there. So we actually had two weeks of Mandarin and we also facilitate Spanish and also Arabic. And then the response has been great. The children had a lot of fun learning the language, the culture, and we also make some cultural food. So from that, I already had a great two week with a student and I'm looking forward to have a proper um, lesson next year with them. You touched on something that's quite important, I think, for people to understand that learning a language doesn't happen in isolation. It happens within the context of a culture. Essentially, language represents the culture and the ideas of people. When teaching Mandarin, how do you incorporate the culture of the Chinese people or the Taiwanese people into the Mandarin classes? And we don't call it Chinese. Can you also perhaps just tell us why we don't call it? We speak in Chinese, we speak in Mandarin, just to create some context for that as well. So some people know just Chinese. Some people also say, I can speak Mandarin. Some people say, I speak Chinese Mandarin. So regardless, people know that um, what you're talking about. Okay. So it doesn't really matter. People will understand when you talk about Chinese or Mandarin. Okay. It's the same language. Okay. Yes. And culture is a big aspect of language because my principle to teach a language is not for children to have 100%, is to have their interest in the language. And by doing that, you have to incorporate the culture. 
the fun part of it. And that really stick with the children once they grasp the beauty of the language through culture, through the food, through the sports. Yeah. I think also there's often a, a conception that language is about getting it perfect. And I think we tend to forget that the focus on language is actually about communicating with each other. And in my experience, um, people who speak Mandarin, especially Chinese people and Taiwanese people, are very open to the fact that you're trying to speak, even if you're butchering it. It's quite a difficult language to speak with the different tones and things like that. But they, I think most people appreciate you attempting to communicate with them on their level. Is that your experience too? Yes. I love the quotes by um, Nelson Mandela. He says that when you speak a language that he understands, it goes to the head. However, if you speak a language that is their language, mm. you speak into their heart. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm. That's wonderful. <laughs> so what are the plans for 2022, 2023 at Edgewink? I know that we've spoken about introducing it um, to the school. It's something that we're really looking forward to doing. We're probably going to start as an extramural, um, but it's not going to be open just to students. It's going to be open to teachers and parents, so our community as a whole. It's a fun language to learn, and it's a language that does open opportunities, especially if you're traveling in the East. Talk to me a little bit about what your offering is and the HSK certification and things like that, please. Thanks, Christian. I think that um, it's very kind of you to um, open up your facility and then offer the language not for just your school students, but to teachers and also the community. So the plan hasn't set 100%. However, I do vision that um, we're going to offer our lessons in line with the HSK. So what is HSK? is Han Yu Shui Ping Kao Shi. So it's actually the Chinese standard test structure. It's very, very um, practical. So, for example, HSK actually have six levels, level one to level six. And in level one, you'll learn about 100 to 200 words. That is, you will be using your daily lives. And then by doing that, you will also be able to write the HSK um exams and that is uh, international standardized exams and you will receive your certificate that you can attach to your cv or use it later in life and what is the cost for doing the assessment for example and where does that happen so hsk is actually being um established in 1984 so they're very established and then every year they run their exams um, through different uh, facilities so in Joburg I know the University of Johannesburg have a testing center and then there are a few um, around the area and then the exam runs about once every three months Right, so when you're ready, you can register for the exam and go and write the certificate. Correct, correct. And how long is that certificate valid for? Once you have it, do you have it or does it kind of expire? Or uh, From my knowledge, they do expire. However, so for example, um, right now we do HSK1 and then later on in life, um, you don't have to write HSK1 again. So if you do carry on study and then you know that your level's at HSK4, so you can actually just write that test. So you don't have to um, have qualified for the next level of the test. No, you don't. So if you've been overseas for four years and you've picked up the language and you learn it, you can come back and certify yourself at level four or five if you feel that that's the competency level that you're at. Yes, that's correct. And you can certify anywhere in the world. That's amazing. 
What kind of cost are you envisioning for, for a term at Edwin per student or, you know, doing this kind of thing? Okay. So, uh, from my end, uh, we'll look at about, um, 750 rand per month. Okay. So that include, uh, one lesson a week with homework and also daily conversation through WhatsApps. Okay. So that'll probably be about 2,100 rand for the term. The term is usually about three months or whatever the case would be. Correct. And how long are the lessons normally done per week? We will have a one hour lesson a week. Okay. And then in that week, we will do revision and we'll also cover new work and okay. also homework will be given. And, but what's very important is, um, we normally have a WhatsApp group. So whatever we learn in that week, we practice every day on the WhatsApp group. Okay. That's amazing. Jenny, what's the status of Mandarin globally at the moment? Why is it at the forefront of most people's minds? I do believe that we are in the new generation now in new era. So when I was little, it's all about learning English. So I remember that we are a class of 46 and 42 of us went overseas abroad. So we know how to speak English properly in an English environment. So right now we can see that Chinese economy is globally just it is huge and to learn a language that uh, will be the most spoken language in the world is very, very powerful. Mm. So that says that um, the stats shows that 70 countries actually officially um, incorporate Chinese language teaching in their national education system. So that shows that the importance of the language. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned before we started the podcast that the UN has also, um, it's one of the six languages that they've adopted, if that's not, if that's correct. Yes, yes. So Chinese actually being, um, officially categorized as one of the six official language of the United Nation for the world tourism in January 2021. So I can imagine that in South Africa that the tourism industries, the, the FET colleges, people who are actually on the ground dealing with tourists, dealing with people on their day-to-day lives, have a need to be able to speak Mandarin as we see more tourism and more Chinese people coming into Africa and into South Africa specifically. Yes, that is very right. I also know that the IAB offers Mandarin as or Chinese as one of its um, metric subjects and offerings, and that you can do Mandarin at an O-level and an A-level through Cambridge. How does that align with the HSK and your your vision for, for Mandarin? So how I see it is the Cambridge A-level, O-level is geared towards children that do speak the language at home, however they do move abroad, or for the children that have been um, living in China and have some language, um, Chinese language background. So where we focus on as the HSK is more of a lifestyle learning. Mm. So it just don't stop after matric. Mm. So we actually teach you the basic. Then from that, you will be able to carry on learning at your own pace, at your own time, at your own medium. For example, we have few students being with us for a few years and what they're doing now is they will watch the Chinese cartoon or they will watch Chinese series and then from that they can continue learning. So for me that is more enriched in a language in your life 
to do that going forward compared to the Cambridge A level or level or the IB metric yeah. yes or, or the IB metric for me I don't encourage parents or students to gear for that unless you have a very solid background of the language so it sounds like the A levels O levels the metric IB language is predominantly for Mandarin home language speakers it's also got a very strong academic purpose behind it Whereas what you're offering with HSK is more about access to the culture, access to the media, access to people. It's more about being part of that community and part of that culture rather than having an academic motive behind it. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And also um, going forward, if you do apply for a job, hmm. if they do need um, the person that to have some Chinese skill, they will ask for HSK. Hmm. Yeah. That's very, very interesting. Jenny, thank you very much for coming into the studio today. I think, if anything, learning Mandarin is important because one needs to know how to order your dumplings exactly the way that you want them. <laughs> Correct. They're my favorite. So anybody who's interested, um, let's reach out and start getting um, a list together so that we can see how we push this forward in January and get going from the beginning of the year. And I think it can be a lot of fun. Yes, I agree. Thanks very much. Thank you. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.